Добрий вечір, слава Богу! Богу хвала, ми тільки що спіли. Дуже хороший у нас настрой. Ми маємо добру мотивацію, ми хочемо вважати Господа. Хто мені з вас мав добрий час на тейбл? І ви мав добру конверсацію? Ну, це добре. Хто мені з вас мав добру відповідь і відповідь? Всі? Окей. You will help me. You're going to be my experts. Good, good. All right. We need more, more light, right? Andre was preaching last time. More light. Okay. <laughs> okay, Andre, I know that's the problem with that switch. <laughs> I guess you have to try all of them. So anyway, let's get into the scripture. I know we already covered a few verses from Matthew chapter 5. The previous message was about being the salt of the earth, light of the world, and I'm going to continue something that deals with the law and grace. Say with me, the law, louder, law and the grace. Which is better, law or grace? Grace. Okay, I expected that answer. Well, uh, we will see the role of the law in the context of a true New Testament Christian. Not necessarily what Abraham did, even though we'll talk about him, but in your life. You will see that the law has a very important role. But it also needs to have power. It's really interesting that the law is useless without God's grace and without God's power. And so today I will start with uh, a few maybe moments so that we can refresh in our memory. The Sermon of the Mount, what we just read, was written in chapters 5, 6, and 7 in the book of Matthew. It's actually in the Luke, in the Gospel of Luke. There's also the Sermon of the Mount in a different sequence, different form. But here specifically, this writer, Matthew, he writes to the converts from Jews. That means that new believers, Christians, were in, with the Jews' background. Guys, if we want to be honest, if we want to be transparent enough, we can say that people's background affects and influences their thinking. Can we say amen? Slavic people are still different. No matter what we try, we can, you know, pretend, we can live. But we have some baggage. We have something in the past. We have something that we are part of. And you should not be ashamed of that. If you speak perfect English, if you go to this church, you have friends who speak English, that's, that's not everything. You should be proud about those believers in your family or about the history in your, in your background that God used to bring you to this place. And he has purpose for everything. He has a purpose for why you're Slavic people. So these Jews were Jews, but they were converts. They believed in Jesus Christ. And Matthew knows that similarly to how Slavic people need to have special language, okay? I'm not going to say this story because it will be an anecdote. But he knows that Jews need to understand something. They were waiting for the Messiah, for the King of Israel. And so he preaches in the language that reflects that expectation. 
In the book of Matthew, there are 60, at least 60 passages that are quoted from the Old Testament. And he deliberately uses that language. He's like, guys, you read Torah? Here it is. And even in this chapter, you read what was written in the law? They're like, yeah, we know that. Okay, that's just a reference. Let me talk about this. And so when he talks about Jesus Christ, he talks about him, writes about him as the Messiah. That's the portrait of Jesus in this gospel or in this letter. And so in verses 17 and 18, Jesus all of a sudden tells them as if he is reading their thoughts. Do not think. Okay, when somebody says, do not think, what happened just before? What was it? They say something, right? They said something because you can't really read the minds of people. Well, Jesus could, but let me, let me tell you, he was a perfect man. And I believe in this place he said those words because they were saying these things. Like, this rabbi, Jesus, he's breaking the law. He's abolishing. In original language, he says he is untying things that were tied together, that were holding together. He's demolishing. He's destroying things. We've been, you know, we've been followers of Moses for centuries, and now this guy came. So Jesus said, do not think that way. Do not think because I didn't come to abolish the law or the prophets, not just Ten Commandments. Think about that too. Prophets, it's a very important part of what Jews believe. And so he says, I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. And the word fulfill says in the original, fill something to the full, to the brim, make something full. So he said, I'm actually, I came and I'm going to explain how this whole thing, this law is truly functioning and working. The true beauty of it. You know, like you install an app or something or a software on a computer and a laptop, whatever, and you know just a little bit of it. I remember there were, like at Costco in different places, these um, little books for dummies, you know, how to use iPhone, <laughs> you know, things like that. And turns out that actually, I, I'm not sure if anyone can brag, you know, being an expert in every single function. I'm actually lost in the, last, the latest models. I'm like, I need just this stuff. I can't use everything. And, there's, and Jesus said, you know, guys, I know every little thing, every yoda. Okay, every apostrophe, I know everything, I'll explain you. They're like, how could that be? Because um, Jesus said, I'm emphasizing the, the essence of the law. Not just what it looks like, but what it tastes like, what it feels like, what it means to live 24-7. They're like, is that possible at all? We are Pharisees, we'll live like at least maybe 12 hours, uh, you know, as long as people see. And then when we turn off lights, we do whatever we, we can. A lot of people live like that. They, they just, just hypocrites. They pretend that they live according to the law. And Jesus said, no, I'm emphasizing the spirit of the law. Not just the letter, not just what you read, but the spirit. How I, being God, said these things. Why did I say them? Uh, we were reading the book of Mark in our cell group, and we noticed that Jesus was performing a lot of miracles, a lot of things, um, casting demons out on Sabbath, as if he didn't have other days. 
And he broke their law. He healed this paralytic. He healed that leper uh, man. He did a lot of miracles. And these guys are walking around. And, then, and they are sitting actually like you guys sit. You're not Pharisees. I'm just saying. You know, and they watch him. And here's the guy with the withered hand. He's coming in their synagogue. And they're like, today is Sabbath. Today is Sabbath. He's not going to abide by the law. And Jesus asked them simple question. Should I do good? during the Sabbath. Should I heal? And they're like, and they're silent because of course you should do something good. And he's like, okay. So the letter of the law says, do not eat those, you know, how disciples ate bread on Sabbath or um, do not heal, do not do this. But the, the character, the spirit of the Lord is to love someone, to love your brother, not just being angry inside and, 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 and having a, all vocabulary list of all cuss words and everything for, for brother, right? But act, and not saying them, not killing him yet. But he says, you know, look inside, look inside. He, Jesus, didn't break the law. I don't believe that he was in I don't see that in the scripture that Jesus was intentionally breaking the law in, in the Sabbath just for the sake of it. Like every Sabbath, he would just have a walk and do all kinds of things. I don't see that. He was not careless about abiding uh, to the law. He was showing something that is more important about the law than just reading these letters. And so I'm trying to cover the questions that you discussed what made Jesus say to the people, don't think that I came to abolish or make unimportant the Old Testament law? What was the answer? Because they were thinking that he is breaking the law. So he told them, what, what, why do you say that? I didn't come. I, I actually came to fulfill the law, to explain the meaning of it. Now, next question is important and interesting. What are the least of these commandments that Jesus talks about in Matthew 5, 19? I wish I had time to talk about this and listen to your answers, but let me uh, jump straight to the uh, verse and then, and then talk about it and uh, explain what I believe the Scripture says. Verse 18, For truly I say to you, Jesus says, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. In other words, don't worry. I'm not going to break anything just for the sake of it. I'm, just, I'm going to explain you what's the heart or, or spirit of the law. And then verse 19, Whoever then annuls, or uh, somebody was reading, relaxes one of the least of these commandments. That's a good word. Relaxes, again, loosen in the, in the original. Unties, not completely, just a little bit. It says, whoever does that to the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So the question was, what are the least of these commandments? Does it mean that some commandments are more important and others are less important? What did you guys talk about? What was the answer? One of the answers that you heard others, don't say that you said that. Say somebody at our table said. Okay. What was the answer that you heard? What are the least of these commandments? 
Go ahead. Exactly. Who said so? Where, where do you read in the Bible that God, giving any commandment in the Bible, said, this one is more important and this one is less important? Well, maybe you read something I, I, I don't remember by heart. But as far as I remember, never in the Bible God said that there's smaller or less important or lesser uh, commandment or, or, or anything what he says. Everything is equally important. That's our mindset. That's our mindset when we think about certain things that are more important and certain things that are just words. We say, this is just a thought. We say, well, uh, looking at the examples, you said, uh, well, you are swearing, you're making an oath, you're trying to use a very convenient oath. And, and when you make these vows or oaths, uh, you uh, use your hair as if hair is less important than the temple of God. And he's trying to point out to the essence of the law. And he says, all are equally important. God is the creator. He holds in his, his hands a temple, the whole earth, and your hair. So you don't have any right to say that this is, you know, the, the place where I can actually break my word or not follow the promise. He says everything is important. And so when he says, uh, whoever teaches this way, whoever uh, basically says, uh, you know, we need to worship the Lord and not worship the idols. But, you know, there are cases where we can be, uh, well, disobedient to parents. <laughs> uh, there are cases when stealing is not really stealing. It's like borrowing for a time and then paying later. Or like Pharisees would say, you know what, if we do not really take care of our older parents but we pay the amount we would use to take care of them to the temple, then we don't have any obligation. We're fine. It's the same in God's eyes, you know, as if we would care about parents. And God says, no, you forgot this is the doc doctrine of people. You need to remember what's the commandment. There is nothing that is uh, more important or less important. So again, Jesus is pointing out that the motives, the heart, the emotions, everything what we have inside is as important as what people see outside. In other words, if we don't kill the brother, but we are angry, it's not less important or it's not as bad. It's equally bad. So Jesus says, I came to fulfill or fill up the, 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 this law. I, I want to show you how this commandment works in all areas of your life, not just when people see you, not just when it's convenient for you, but everything, including your thoughts and including your uh, minds. Next thing, when he talks about, talks about um, surpassing, I have in my Bible, surpassing, the righteousness of scribes and Pharisees. Uh, this is very interesting. Surpassing in the original says, exceed a fixed number of measure. Uh, in other words, if there is a standard to surpass that standard, to go above, 
means that you have to do something that is more valuable, that is harder to do possibly, that is of a higher quality or standard. And so he says, there is righteousness of scribes and Pharisees, and there is righteousness of a person who wants to please God and be in his kingdom. Because he, he says, if you don't surpass that righteousness, if you don't do something differently, then you will not be in the kingdom of God. So what is that exactly? When we read uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, we can see how God works in the heart of a person. Uh, verse 12, chapter 4, listen carefully. For the word of God is living and acting and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So even in the law, in, in the real uh, world, uh, intentions and motives count. Yes, you can prove that someone committed a crime and deserves punishment. But how you did it, why you did it, that's why you have juries, that's why you have judges. Because they have to explain what happened. They have to um, make judgment. And God says, I use my word to judge your thoughts and your intentions. That's the level the depth and the level where God works with you and me. And it's a hard one. I, I can't really explain this with words, whether in Russian or English. I'm just, uh, I'm just trying to describe this for you. So basically, it's like standing before God and, the, and standing in His, I don't want to say presence, because right now you might feel like it's a worship time or prayer, just in your thoughts being like extremely honest. And his word says, Alex, you have problems with anger. And so it pierces through my heart. And my heart is made of my thoughts, of my emotions, of my consciousness, and of my will. And very often I realize that when God tells me you're angry, my first response is, no, I'm not. Or, but I have the reason. Or, but he or she deserves that. So, as if I have the righteous anger. But God knows my thoughts and my intentions. And the true prayer before the Lord, the true transformation starts at the heart level. When the, the, you let the Holy Spirit, the, 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 that sword, because it says in the Ephesians that it's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So the Holy Spirit works through His Word, even right now. You probably have something in the back of, my mind, of your mind where you're like, you never really want to answer that question. You really want to keep it somewhere in the deepest corner of your, uh, of your life. And you're like, well, the way I do this, whether I post pictures or I have fantasies or I think about certain stuff or I'm angry at certain people, well, I, you justify that. You don't, you don't want to give God a power to actually work with your life. And that's the problem because you might have fears, you might have pride. 
you and I included. And, and that's the problem. If we won't let the Holy Spirit work at that level, our righteousness will be at the level of the Pharisees and scribes. Do you get this? So Pharisees and scribes, they went as far as it was convenient for them, as far as, you know, people would not judge them. That was the righteousness of Pharisees and scribes. Nothing bad, nothing sinful. It was good, actually. It was the first step. Jesus said, it's great you give the tithe to the temple. It's good you come to the church on Sundays. It's great you read from the scriptures. But how about you forgot the intentions and thoughts? You forgot about mercy. You forgot about grace. You forgot about the, the essence, the, the, the depth of, of the law. I believe that you have to lay things open before the Lord. It says in the next verse, chapter 4, Hebrews 12, 13, and there is no creature hidden from his sight. The paradox is that the Lord knows everything about you and me. He knows before we even have a thought. Before I say the word, he knows my thoughts. He knows everything. He knows everything is open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. You and I will be held accountable at certain time in our, in our lives. Sooner or later, hopefully it's not going to be the great judgment. Uh, be honest before the Lord. That's how you can start having the true relationships and the righteousness being right before the Lord that surpasses the level of hypocrisy and the level of the appearance and, and something that is visible. Because when you admit that you're powerless, when you admit that you don't have strength, what happens next? The Lord comes with His grace. With His grace. When you say, I can't, uh, I, I can't do it. It's like my hand, and the scripture says, I'm not reading those verses, that if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. You're like, God is so painful. How will I live with this or without this? If I stop doing this stuff, whatever, stealing, maybe lying, maybe doing, I will feel miserable or I will not be in the worship group uh, just making up stuff. You know, it's not, not real stuff, but things that you are afraid to, to, to let it go, God wants you to deal with it. Because that's how he can help you and give you grace and give you power. The question is still about the law. So we established, uh, um, we, we just said that our righteousness surpasses the righteousness of the Pharisees and scribes if we are honestly giving our hearts, thoughts, and intentions to the Lord and humble ourselves. But I want to also talk quickly about the law. Why do we need the law? Do we still need the law? The answer, yes. In the first letter of Paul to Timothy, he says, but we know that the law is good. Say, law is good if one uses it lawfully. No, you don't have to say that. Uh, realizing the fact that law is not made for a righteous person, but for those who are lawless and rebellious. So interesting. So law is good, but it's not for us because we're working at the deeper level. We already surpassed that level. We are at the next level. We are like, we want to do the right stuff. And the law is for the lawless 
people who are naive, who don't know the rules. And the law is for the rebellious. You know how, how many students in our schools, they don't even know what is written in the handbook, in the rules for the students, because they just live that way. They, they, just, they just have that righteousness inside. But pretty much every person who visits my office of a principal has to open the law, the handbook, and read and copy the law, because that's for the rebellious people and for lawless people. Very simple. Jesus Christ came and said, I will fulfill the law because I'm working above it. The law is just the minimum. It's just that, that, that what, what it should look like, the minimum. But I will do it with a smile. I will do it with the grace. And I will do it without questions. I'm not going to rebel. I'm not going to say anything why or what. And the good example I promised to mention Abraham the good example is Abraham, because Abraham lived 500, before the law, 500 years before the law of Moses was given to Israel, approximately. So Abraham lives without the law, but he lives by faith and desire, and he to, to, to live and please his God. And it says that when God came to him and said, you, Abraham, one thing, one little thing, you need to circumcise, you know, do this ritual for yourself and for all the males in your household. And Abraham's like, okay, no problem. And he now follows the law, just a portion of it. It was later part of the Mosaic law. But he started following it. And the scripture says, and he, Abraham, received the sign, this sign, this, this law, as a seal of righteousness. So he was doing something already. But now there's a seal, okay? And why did uh, the righteousness of the faith, which he had while uncircumcised, before even the law, he already had that good intention, so that he might be the father of all who believe without being circumcised, praise God, that righteousness might be credited to them, to all of us, okay? Without following those rituals, we are children of Abraham because he wanted to please God before even the commandment okay, was given. And the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also follow in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham, which he had while uncircumcised. In other words, whether you follow the law, you need to do it and you know the law, you need to do it with gladness, or you don't know all the rules and commandments. If you love the Lord, the Lord, you already follow the law. Let me illustrate that so that you have some visuals. I know that I didn't do PowerPoint, and it was partially uh, my intention. And I'm going to show you what I mean by surpassing the commandment or the law. Uh, and, and the righteousness of the Pharisees. So let's um, look at the Christmas gift that my son received. I forgot actually from whom he received, not from me for sure, because we don't give Christmas gifts. Guess what? This was one of his best Christmas gifts, bumper cars. Anybody knows how they work? 
Raise your hand if you know how they work. Oh, you know, okay, so this is fun. Now, look at these two cars, and let's see what these guys need to make life fun. Both of these guys, they are in the inside of the car that they own, okay? This guy is actually dressed up really well, black and white, and uh, he's laughing from this guy. And this guy is just wearing a red suit. That's kind of strange. I never wore a red suit, but anyway. Now, the fun, th uh, fun thing about this is that when you properly operate each one of them, they are supposed to hit the side of the car of your opponent and make them fall out like that. So very basic, but it's fun, okay? Now, this game or this toy worked exactly five minutes and then it stopped. You know why? Because what happened, my son and I, we were playing and um, I'm not going to say who was who, but basically this guy hit this guy on the side and it fell from the second floor to the first in our house and it stopped working. And so I picked it up and I looked at it and I couldn't figure out what was the problem. So I unscrewed the bottom of it, the, all six screws, uh, checked the batteries, everything seemed to be nice. I have this battery meter. Everything seemed to be working. And then I found that the only thing that was broken was the switch on and off, okay? And uh, no matter what I tried, I couldn't fix it. I guess that was it for the black guy. And then I figured out that when I was preparing to this, uh, I asked my son, do you have anything uh, for, for me to illustrate this sermon? And he brought me this toy set. And I was like, okay, this is perfect. Because everything what this guy needs, and he actually the one whose righteousness surpasses that one of the Pharisees. This is a Pharisee. looks like Pharisee, okay? the, the black and white guy. Uh, everything what he needs to do, no matter how long he sits at the, at the, in his car, no matter how long he stares or how much effort he puts, everything what he needs to do, the least of the commandments is to turn on the switch, on. Because the power is not in this guy. The power is right here, okay? I'm the Almighty. I'm the Most High. I see him. I have the grace for him, okay? He doesn't have anything inside of him. He doesn't have anything, any power, any breath. But if I decide to move him, if he trusts me, okay, just the on and off, it will work. It will work in his life. Well, the, by the way, he's not angry at his brother. It's just that's different, um, different illustration. The problem with this guy is that he thinks that he needs to look nice. He needs to stay in his car. He needs to put some effort. But he forgot that he is disconnected from the power. He is disconnected from the grace that is given to him. And so there is nothing in the Word of God that is less or more important. What is important if I change my thinking and if I start with the smallest thing in my life, with that switch, with that little thing that you think, well, 
just those three words that I use. Or just, just that um, uh, movie that I watched. It's a little thing. That little thing may actually be an obstacle in the, your life. And the Holy Spirit cannot use you in the way he would do otherwise. And so I don't have time to go over all of the examples. But look at any of these verses. Whether it's words, they are not the least of the commandments. Watch your words what you say to your brother and sister, whether it's something in your heart, if you feel that you offended someone, you better tell them, I'm sorry. Maybe that's something, just a glance, just something that you, you, you saw, and it's still in your thoughts, that might be a problem. Your life may be all going wrong direction. Maybe it's, the, again, your promises, your vows, you don't say... Uh, vows, but you say something that is not really yes or no. It's something in between, and that's from the evil one. Check your hearts. Walk before the Lord. Be transparent. Be open before Him, and I'm pretty sure that God will change your life and transform your life for His glory. Amen? Let's pray.